to Romans chapter 4. If you um, we'll, we'll begin we'll begin reading there in uh, verse one, Romans four. Before I do, I want to read you some interesting things here. Uh, Jerry handed handed this to me yesterday, and I actually like part of it. Here, I'm going to read some things. This one is kind of cute. Dad's favorite sayings. I'm sure everybody has their their own version of this. If you think back to your father, one is the number one dad favorite sayings is "I don't know, go ask your mother." <laughs> I used that one a lot. Here's the other one: just wait until I get home. <laughs> um, I love you, son. That's a good one. I love you, princess. The funny thing is, the the boy gets called son, the daughter gets called princess. Here's another dad's favorite saying. When I was your age, and then fill in the blank. I used to walk to school in the snow. (laughs) Be home early, dad's favorite saying. And then finally, that's not a tear. I have something in my eye. <laughs> I think that's cute. So here's here's uh, uh, life with father from um, from an early when uh, from an early age. When I was four years old, my daddy can do anything. He's Superman. Five years old, my daddy knows a whole lot. Six years old, my dad is smarter than your dad. (laughs) Eight years old, my dad doesn't know exactly everything. (laughs) Ten years old, in the the olden days when my dad grew up, things were sure different. Twelve years old, well, oh well, naturally, dad doesn't know anything about that. He's too old to remember his childhood. Fourteen years old. Don't pay attention to my dad. He is so old-fashioned. Twenty-one years old. Him? My Lord. He's hopelessly out of date. At twenty-five years old. Dad knows about it, but then he should because he has been around so long. Thirty years old. Maybe we should ask Dad what he thinks. After all, he's had a lot of experience. At thirty-five. I'm not doing a single thing until I talk to my dad. At 40, I wonder how dad would have handled it. He was so wise. 50 years old, I'd give anything if dad were here now so I could talk this over with him. Too bad I didn't appreciate how smart he was. I could have learned a lot from him. So that's a very sweet sentiment, isn't it? All right, praise the Lord. You find Romans 4 yet? It's in the New Testament for those of you still searching. <laughs> Glory to God. Alright, Romans 4, 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father... Now notice that. The Bible calls, or Paul writing this, calls Abraham our father. You know, we have different kinds of fathers. Father God being our 
our literal uh, Father of everything. Amen? Amen? The Bible says He literally, spiritually, from the spiritual standpoint, and you think about that, that spiritual standpoint of Him being the Father is the strong idea because this life is temporary. And the Bible says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporary. The things which are unseen are eternal. So, we value, we get that. There's, there's more value in how long-lasting something is, right? In other words, you're going to pay more. If you put a new roof on your, on your house or your church or your place of business, depending on the, the age, how long till next time to replace it, will be the expense or the price of the roofing. There are, there are roofing materials that can last for decades. Then there's others that, you know, maybe 20 years is about it. So oftentimes we will choose the less expensive one just because of sheer economics. But we understand that the best things, as far as material things, usually have a longer lifespan for that, right? That's why we'll, we buy jewelry uh, made out of gold or silver or platinum, something that has a long life expectancy as opposed to another material. So if you think about the eternal things being the most valuable, because this life, I'm telling you, the older I get, the more I realize how short this life really is. Well, you can live to be a hundred, and still this is a, this is a blip on the screen compared to eternity. So we understand Father God being our literal eternal Father. How could you have Father's Day and not talk about God the Father? And how could you have it and not sing the song we sang, Good, Good Father? And that's our identity. I keep telling you that. You're going to hear it forever, as long as I have breath. Our, our, our identity is wrapped up in God and who He is, not in our who we are. His goodness, not our goodness. Our goodness has problems. <laughs> our, our motives get in the way. We, we can have the best of... In, you ever had the best of intentions and it kind of backfired on you and, and you were misunderstood. But with God, there is none of that. Can you say amen? amen. So, um, we have God the Father being our eternal God, uh, Father. Also, the Bible tells us again, reiterating that, that we are born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. So we're literally, even in the sense of seed, we are of God the Father. Praise God. That's pretty good heritage, isn't it? We could have a whole message on spiritual DNA. And if you think about that, how can you beat yourself up all the time and say, well, I'm just... I'm no good, I, I'm tempted, I, I know all the mistakes I've made. Well, why don't you stop talking about them and we won't remember it. People have come to me and they said, Pastor, I need to confess a sin to you. I go, I don't want to hear it. I don't care what you've done. I don't care you know, what you have... have uh, if, if, if it's a felony, go confess it to the police department. Other than that, please just walk in righteousness. Amen. 
And uh, I had a guy come to me one time. He said, uh, I'm having an affair with uh, some, some, some woman, you know, and, uh, that he had met. He says, I'm having an affair. I said, okay, why do I need to know? Well, you're the pastor. I thought you should know everything. I said, well, what do you want me to do about it? He said, <laughs> these, are, these are the warm and fuzzy feelings people get from my counseling, you know. I said, well, what do you want me to do about it? He says, well, thought maybe since I'm having this affair, you don't want me to come to church while I'm having it. I said, are you kidding? I want you to come to church more. Obviously, what we're doing isn't working for you. (laughs) Why would you come to church less? The more you sin, the more I want you in church. (laughs) And hearing the Word and letting the Spirit move and touch your heart. Amen? Not the other way around. Well, you're just too dirty of a sinner to sit with the saints. Well, every church has got some saints and it's got some ain'ts. Amen. We all come together and and hopefully uh, are in a place where God can help us. Amen. So we have God our Father eternally. Amen. Born again of incorruptible seed. Thank God for that. That's our identity. He's a good God and I'm loved by Him. What more do we need to know? What more do we need to say? What more do we need to have happen? Secondly, then the Bible talks here about Abraham being our father. Well, we know about our heavenly father. We've got our natural father. We just read a little little uh, thing there about that. Um, and we all, I'm sure, we have you know fond memories of our fathers. Some some people may not. You know, Father's Day and Mother's Day is not always a great day for everybody. It's a great day if you had a loving parent, but some people grew up in homes that the parent wasn't so loving, and so the idea of thinking about their childhood or their or their uh, you know adolescent years growing up in the home were not happy memories. So we have to be a little sensitive, don't we, and a little open to people that maybe aren't quite as exuberant about all that and 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 uh, as others, and so so we have to bear one another's burdens and be open to. Uh, to hearing those things and, and encouraging one another. Amen? And that's where your relationship with Father God, though, can heal that relationship between you and uh, having a Father who loves you unconditionally. Amen? And develop that. But then we have this third Father here. Again, Father God in heaven, eternal Father. We have our natural Father. We have uh, Abraham, our Father. And uh, it almost sounds confusing. Well, I thought God was my father, and now we got Abraham. Well, what Abraham is, is our father of faith. In example of faith. And uh, all of the faith that we have from God is through Abraham. Now, we don't need to get into a genealogical chart here or anything. But the Bible does tell us, and if you, uh, the Apostle Paul again pointed this out so clearly, that the Bible does tell us that um, um, through Abraham's seed, the whole earth is going to be blessed. Did you know that that seed that the, that Paul is talking about there is Jesus? In other words, it's not. A lot of folks try to say, well, that means all natural born Jews, you know, have this blessing. Well, they can have the blessing, amen. 
just like anyone else. But it's not talking about blood seed from Abraham. It's talking about spiritual seed. We're going to see this in just a minute. Amen? So if we're of the same faith of Abraham, we are included and heirs of everything God promised Abraham. Some people say, well, I don't like anything about prosperity. And it's like, well, you're going to hate Abraham. You're really going to hate heaven. Because Abraham was so wealthy that he and Lot... The problem is the land wouldn't even bear both of them together. They had to part ways because they had they had a prosperity problem. <laughs> not a poverty problem. Amen? God is not a poverty God. You're not going to get to heaven and it's going to look like a 1930's Grapes of Wrath camp. Just thought I'd warn you. If you like that sort of thing, do all your camping now. Because we're not camping in Canaan's land with a little pot of beans you know, over the campfire. Bust up the furniture and burn it so that we can eat. No, praise God. God is a God of abundance. Amen. Amen. And Father Abraham, our father of faith, proved that in his life. God blessed him. And he said to him, I want you to look as far as you can see, uh, every, everywhere that you can see and turn and look belongs to you. Amen. So that doesn't sound like just a little rationing part, does it? So, here it says again, what shall we say then, that Abraham our father, again the seed, how, what's our connection to Abraham's blessing? What's our connection is Jesus. The seed that Paul is talking about, especially in Galatians, is Christ Himself. Heirs according to the promise. We're going to see that here in just a minute. Alright, so it says, What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works... See, I don't know how you preach grace, finished work, and righteousness, and then put a big but on the end of it. Now, usually, if you put a but, B-U-T, on the end of a sentence, it changes the whole meaning. If you don't believe that, try this on your wife, men. Say, honey, I love you, but. Now, all she hears is but. You're a beautiful but. I, I appreciate all you do for me, but. The but is the problem. All she hears is, but, but, but what, Buster? It better be good, what's coming. Just a little marriage advice. Don't say that. Unless you want a permanent indention on your, your, on your head from whatever is flying out of her hand at you. It's like people that you know are getting ready to leave the church for some reason, you know some offense or whatever, they'll say, I love the church and everything, but... You hear it comes. The other shoe is about to drop, right? Well, anyway, to say I, uh, to say I have... I'm saved... Ephesians 2.8, our theme, our theme scripture here. I'm, you're saved by grace through faith. Remember, it's important to understand grammar because the semicolon comes afterwards. It is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. 
the faith and the grace is a gift of God. You don't have to get grace, you know, grace you accept. It's a gift. The faith, we thought, we have to work very hard to have that. No, the faith and the grace comes from God. Amen. It's a gift. Not of yourselves. The minute that your relationship with God becomes all on you and what you do, and He's, he's either mad at you or He loves you based on what you do, then you're, you're completely, you're really not in Christianity anymore, hardly. You're in something else, at least in your thought process. Because it's all about grace. I like the name of our church. Actually, I have to give credit to Bob Mueller for the name of the church. He picked it. You know, we needed to update the name. The the old name had served its purpose, you know, years ago, a few decades back. But sometimes uh, it's time to update, you know, uh, just the image of things. And so we thought, well, we'll change the name of the church. So uh, Pastor Bob ran it past me. He said, what do you think? I said, I think it's a good name. And you'll remember, I was there the Sunday that we revealed the name of the new church. It's going to be Grace Harvest in church. I like that. Church is a good name. Some churches don't want to be a church anymore. They're a fellowship. Well, we have fellowship, but we're not a fellowship. We're a church. (laughs) Amen. Uh, Well, others want to be a center. Well, what does that mean? I, I learned that one the hard way. I moved to Alabama. Sheree and I moved to Alabama to the beach, praise God. And we opened a church and we named it uh, Christian Center, you know, the last part. Gulf Coast Christian Center. And you'd be surprised at the number of people that came by and said, what's a Christian Center? What do you do there? Well, it's it's a church. Why don't you call it a church? Then we added church. Now the name's a mile long. Gulf Coast Christian Center Church of Orange Beach, Alabama, incorporated in the state of Alabama. I mean, you know, it just gets to be where, you know, it's just a mile-long name craziness. So I like the last part of our name of our church is church. We are a church, praise God. Um, we're not something else. Secondly, the, the middle name is harvest. Well, I believe in harvest, Amen. Seed time and harvest. I believe in, in harvest. But think about this. Grace harvest. There's a harvest from grace. <laughs> Amen. I'd rather have a harvest from grace than a harvest from anything else. Because if your harvest is from grace, that means it's from, it's from the Father. Not from me. Well, that went over big, but that's true. Nonetheless. The, the name is important. Um... So again here, it says in verse 2, we'll, we'll get there eventually here. If Abraham were justified by works, which he was not, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. He's not going to glory before God. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and that, the faith of that, see, was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. Well, we could be debt harvest church. How about that? If you want to go to to have a works-oriented ministry, then just name it that. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted 
for righteousness. Praise God. Which sounds better to you? Grace or debt? I'd rather have grace. How about you? I'd rather have faith than debt. But if you don't preach finished work of Christ, you end up with a debt, D-E-B-T, debt-based Christianity. We call it works-based. But it's really, there's almost like there's a debt hanging over your head of you owe God something. You know, uh, He loves you, but... Again, we've got the but, the but ministry. He, not bus ministry, but ministry. Well, He loves you, but He expects the blah, 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 and then they put in the rules they want you to follow. My mother said one time, who's sitting here on the front row, bless her heart, <laughs> has to live with me sometimes. It must be, it must be a stretch. But um, my my mother said one time, you know, we 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 got delivered from uh, externalistic, judgmentalistic. Is that a word? I'm making it up. Uh, you know, legalistic Christianity grew up under the tyranny of it. And my my mother said one time she heard some word of faith people talking, and they were they hadn't had to grow up under those things, and they were talking about all their rules they wanted to enforce. And I, my mom stood up in the middle of a like a back room chip and dip party. Uh, and said, well, I'll tell you one thing. And this is front of, in front of some pretty high up people. She says, I'll tell you one thing. I grew up under all that stuff, all those legalistic things, and I'll be switched if I'm going to go back under it. And if you've ever been in prison and you get out, you don't want to go back in there. Can you say Amen. amen. Does anybody have a clue what I'm talking about? Yeah. Without bringing it all up. There's this feeling still. Well, if you really, 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 really love God, then uh, you'll do this and that and the other. There's that feeling that you can sense from people. But actually, it's the other way around. If you really, really, really love God, you'll be like Father Abraham, follow His legacy, and have faith in God for righteousness as a gift of grace instead of your works. Praise the Lord. Pray that I'll be bolder about this. I want to get it over. Now, here's the thing I want you to see as we pick a few more verses here from this chapter is that Abraham, again, being our father of faith, he left us a legacy of faith. Again, faith in Christ, faith in the Word, faith in God's finished work for us, and not faith in ourselves. That's what we have. Did you ever, did you ever see a young couple and their babies are born? And I know this one. How many remember Jeremy Gall? He was here uh, and preached for us. Couple of years ago, uh, he, he he we laughed because 
when his son uh, was born, he says he was in the hospital. We had gone to, to visit them, you know, not too long after the baby was born. And we were looking and we're admiring the baby. And uh, what, a, what a handsome little guy, you know, how a cute little guy. And uh, Jocelyn said, look at his toes. Well, we hadn't noticed his toes. Well, I said, well, they're all there. That's most mothers start counting. All the fingers and toes are there. Yeah, all the toes are there. Yeah, but look at these two. They're exceptionally long. The second and third toe on this child were exceptionally long. And, and, uh, and Jeremy goes, that would be from me. I have two exceptionally long toes. Well, we think about, have you ever had somebody say, you look like your mother, you look like your father, you're the spitting image of... In other words, we get it. We understand being uh, the image of who we were born from. Even people who were perhaps adopted or whatever, once, once they find a photo even or whatever of their, their actual, their biological parents, they'll say, well, I can see my eyes in this photo. I can see, oh, I have my father's nose or whatever. A legacy. And sometimes we get personality traits from our parents. We get all kinds of things. Uh, DNA, you know, they can, they can match. We have a spiritual DNA from Father Abraham. And that is to believe God in the face of impossibility. Amen. So we think of this Romans 4 as this great word of faith, faith scripture, because of verse 17. But in actuality, the whole thing is a righteousness chapter. It's faith in what? I tell you, I'm shocked at the number of people who say, uh, well, I've got to believe God, you know, I've got a diagnosis of something, you know, whatever. Or I, I need some money to come in or I need something to happen. And they'll say, well, I just, y'all pray I'll have the faith to really believe for this. Well, A, you don't get the faith from our prayers. The Bible tells us in Romans 10.17 clearly where faith comes from. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If you need more faith, don't request prayer for more faith. It won't work. We can't pray for you to have more faith. What would God do to get you more faith? Open your head and pour it in. Get the oil can of faith and clunka, 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 clunka. This is our vain imaginations. If I'm going to transact business... With heaven, I don't want it to be a vain imagination. I want it to be, you know, like work something that works. So, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing. So if you came to me this morning and you said, Pastor, my faith is weak. I need a stronger faith. I need, you know, more faith. I feel like this is a great challenge for me. Uh, I would tell, what should I do? I would tell you, find scriptures that answer this need. If you need healing scriptures, we'll give you, if you need to get started, we'll give you a sheet that's got some healing scriptures on it. Right? If you need finances, there's scriptures for that. If you need uh, help with your relationships or marriage or whatever, there's scriptures for that that will help you. And uh, so what you would do is take the Word of God and listen to it as much as possible. 
and build your faith that way. Praise God. Well, it's easier to poke it off on somebody else's prayer. I think sometimes we say religious sounding things just out of habit. Maybe we're feeling like we want people to be concerned for us, and that's sometimes good. You could say, I'm going through this challenge. I would appreciate your prayers. But when it comes to praying for faith, uh, how, would you, how would you do that? What would I pray? See, and I, and I actually have asked people that. Well, what exactly would I pray? Do you have a verse for me to stand on to pray that? Well, nobody ever does, of course. And, and it's like, then they're sorry they ate you. I'm sorry I said anything. Because, you know, like, now you're being weird. <laughs> because you're, you're being technical. It's like, no. But there is a certain amount of, of uh, just doing it God's way. How about that? Amen. How many believe God knows more about faith than we do? Amen. So maybe we ought to take a tip from Him. So, um, it's the same way with somebody feeling... I'm going to go here for, for the sake of grace... Same way with somebody feeling condemned. That's an interesting concept, isn't it? Well, I'll just tell you in my upbringing, my Pentecostalism, if you ever came in the church and you said, I feel condemned, I feel like there's sin in my life, the only thing anybody would point to is the altar and go repent. Repent, repent, repent. Well, it's like, well, you know, I've done that and I still don't feel any better. And so thank God for Brother Hagen because he came along and taught us that you cure things by the Word of God. So a person who feels condemned and feels sinful and feels like they've got so much in their life, what you need to do is go over the righteousness Scriptures that tell you who you are in Christ. Stop believing yourself that you're some kind of, uh, you know, uh, damaged goods. Well, I'm just, I've always been tempted in this area. Well, in the name of Jesus, never say that again. We need to get involved again sometimes with tape ministry. It's called duct tape. And it's got many useful purposes. One of them is to put over your mouth when you're cursing yourself. You know, I'm going to say something that may be a little shocking, but I'm just going to go ahead and shock us, all right? Is that, uh, you ever heard somebody that, you know, maybe their mouth isn't as plain up as it should be, and they'll see something shocking, and they'll say, I'll be damned. You ever heard somebody say that? Well, you know, most Christians don't usually talk like that, but, you know, you'll hear what we call sinners. They'll say, well, I'll just be damned. And I've often inserted, well, you will be if you keep saying that. <laughs> because you need to stop cursing yourself. Why don't you say, well, I'll be blessed? I'd rather be blessed than damned. How about, I'll be, I'll be a pardoned. That would be a better word. Well, it's just an expression. It's not great. In fact, I would advise against it. Not just not because it's a bad word. God's offended puts his fingers in this year. But it's because of the meaning of it. Be damned means that God's turned his back on you. You're persona non grata. God doesn't love you anymore. There's no hope for you. There's no heaven for you. There's no forgiveness. There's no righteousness. 
There's nothing redeeming about you. Damned is a bad thing. It means condemned to death. There's no saving you. There's nothing anybody can do to help you. Well, you know, you would, most Christians, my point is, most Christians don't go around saying those things, but they might as well in some of the other ways in which you curse yourself, ourselves. Well, I'm just stupid. I can't remember anything. Well, keep saying that and we'll get you a place at the memory center. <laughs> I mean, there are people who really are in trouble mentally. You know what I mean? They're in trouble. They have a problem. And if you're not careful, just as well, this is just, well, Mama talked like this. Well, look what happened to her. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Now, it's like, it's like, just because Grandma did it, you know, I don't like that song, Give Me That Old Time Religion That's Good Enough For Me. If I would have stuck with my old time religion, I would have, I would not have been standing here before you. Because I had to unlearn some of that old time religion good enough for me. It's not good enough for me. I'm not going to depend on old time religion. I'm dependent on God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Which has life to it. Well, that's a good old song, brother. Well, go singing at the hoedown, but in the service, we're not going to have it. Well, my grandpappy sang that. Well, go join him, because we're not going to have it. Amen. Stuff like that. Just because it was a good old song. A lot of those good old songs, we, we sang a couple of oldies today. But uh, they're good because the words are good. Amen? Amen. We'll say, well, that one always moved me. Well, you know, Epicac can move you. <laughs> I had a friend of mine, after Cherie passed away, she, she got in my face and she said, you need to resign that church in, in, in holiday. I said... Why? She said, you're just not, you're just, you just, you know, the way you say things, you're just way too blunt. She says, nobody can accept that. And I said, well, i got people that think they like it, so I don't know. But I just think that, that I'd just rather have the truth than a bunch of, I mean, we can have Reader's Digest Church. I mean, you know, that people do. But I'd rather just have the truth. How about you? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. You getting anything out of this? There's the first miracle today. Alright. I think we ought to have a little fun along the way. If you can't have any fun, why do it? Um, again, Abraham's righteousness was attributed to him because of his faith. It doesn't say anything at all about his works. In fact, it says, if he were justified by works, he could not glory in front of God because of it. Alright, now, let's, let's read that uh, again, verse 13, talking about being uh, Abraham being our father. Is this a good Father's Day message? Is it alright for you? The promise that he should... 
be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law. Again, I don't know. You know, people say that grace message is just a problem. Okay, maybe what you believe it to be or some preacher you heard you don't like. But So let's skip labels and just look at Scripture. It just says here that the promise was not through the law. but through righteousness of faith. Woo! For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void. And the promise made of none effect. Because the law worketh wrath for where, there, where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. Well, I don't like that grace message. Well, rip this page out then. Fine, make a paper airplane out of it. Get something out of your Bible. But I'm going to read the verse and stick with it. Amen? It is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed. Say, that means me. Okay. Not to that only which is of the law, meaning natural born children of Abraham, but to that which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. This is helping me. I don't know if it's helping you. As it is, so everything God promised Abraham is mine. We used to sing a little chorus. Abraham's blessings are mine. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed going out, and I'm blessed coming in. Well, I don't feel blessed. Well, let's poke you with a cattle prod. See if you feel that. If you need a feeling, we can arrange some things. Amen? How about a taser? We, you know, some churches might need a taser or two. You got some sister looks like she's about to leave because she didn't feel anything anymore. Well, we can arrange some feelings. Praise the Lord. Get out the defibrillators. Check your neighbor and see if they're still breathing. Praise the Lord. All right. So it says here that this promise is is of is to that which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Well, we got a lot to shout about, don't we? What if you got a letter in the mail from an attorney's office and it the letter was certified and it was official and it said your Aunt Maybell, who has lived in obscurity in Switzerland for the last sixty years 
has passed away and here's your inheritance. You're the only one that didn't make her angry. So she left you, you know, $30 million. Would you shout over that? Would you call people on the phone and say, are you sitting down? You're not going to believe this. But I am now a multimillionaire instantly. Aunt Mabel died, remember? She moved up. Yeah, she moved to Switzerland and never spoke to anybody again. Well, yeah, well, she just left me $30 million. She just married, she married Count von Somethingberg and uh, inherited all, all his fortune and now it's mine. Well, you would go over that letter many times. You'd go over the, the details of it. You'd have your attorney check it out. And once everything's transferred, you'd be pretty happy because now you have a way to be a blessing to other people and bless yourself perhaps. But um, the point is that the letter from the attorney is as good as having the goods because it's, it's a legal binding thing. We've got a letter of inheritance here in these Scriptures that the Apostle Paul wrote, especially Romans, especially Galatians, especially Ephesians. Praise the Lord. We've got this inheritance. In Galatians 3, the Bible tells us that it is our inheritance. It was the last will. And once the testator has died, it can't be changed. Praise the Lord forevermore. I'm about to get happy. All right, now listen. So it says that he's the father of us all. Now we get to the good part here. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations. Now, him being the father of many nations is a big deal because there was no baby forever. <laughs> Seemed like. That's what this is talking about. He might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now, other translations will say it more this way. Even after considering his own body now dead, even after considering the age of Sarah and her womb, he still staggered not at the promise of God. It's actually stronger that way. Because see, we've gotten off on the King James here to say, well, you know, that means that he just was so strong in faith he never even considered it. Well, of course he considered it. How do you think the, the, uh, the bond woman got involved? Of course he considered it. He thought, I'm getting older here. I've got to have this child. And Sarah isn't helping <laughs> with her problem. So we'll hire somebody. And that's what they did. And to this day, there's situations because of it. But it says here, He staggered not 
at the pro- even after considering these problems, and that speaks so easily to us, doesn't it? Hallelujah. I got a stomping platform finally back. He, it says, even after considering the negative that says you can't have the promise of God, it says He staggered not at the promise through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God at the same time being fully persuaded that what God had promised, He was able also to perform. You can't imagine how much this Scripture is a part of me. We all have to consider what the doctor said. We consider what the people that were reading some challenge to our life says. Right? We consider the lack that might be existing in our finances or wherever. We have these considerations. What am I going to do about ABC, XYZ? What am I going to do? But it says that even after careful, deliberate consideration of the facts, I've had people say, Brother David, you need to face the facts. When we went to buy this building, which has now been only about 124 days ago, I did not have one cent to put down on the building. Not one red cent. And so when I told the real estate guy, okay, we're going to make an offer and we're going to buy the building, he said, here's the phone number for uh, finance people. And by faith and out of my heart, I said, we won't need them. And my head said, you're crazy. (laughs) You're still in grief. You need counseling. You're not making quality decisions. I said, no. He said, oh, really? He says, now how big is your congregation? I said, 30 on a good Sunday. Well, are they wealthier folks? I said, not necessarily. Hmm. Well, where do you think you're going to come up with this money to buy this building? I said, God's going to give it to me. Oh. You're one of them. I think I had those people nervous till the last minute. <laughs> they were nervous. They're nervous because they don't get this scripture here. This is a real thing. Faith is a real thing, folks. This isn't like we're over here preaching butterflies and lollipops. That's right. This is real. You can take it to the bank. Yes, amen. You can count on it. Well, thank God for faithful people. I mean, God didn't do it. God did not do it by Himself. Many of you sacrifice something that you could have done something else. And you put money into this. And others around the country did. Amen. And a couple of people really were a huge blessing. But every part made a difference. Even $10. That's part of it. Amen. My point is that so 124 days ago, I think that's about the right number, somewhere in there, 
We had nothing. And now we're sitting in a paid-for church building. We don't have any rent. We don't have a mortgage payment. We we have utilities and insurance. And then any upgrades or whatever. That's all we have. Isn't that something? Amen. Praise the Lord. I believe in God that uh, not will kind of come in that eventually can pay the pastor, but I'm not complaining because God makes a way. Amen. And I'm happy to be here. Can you say praise the Lord? Praise not the Lord. only the pastor, but others that we're going to need. But thank God. I'll tell you what. Uh, I believe this. Even after considering the price, even after considering the probability and what's expected and normal. And you know, it's amazing how smug people's face can be when they're talking to try to talk some sense into you. <laughs> well, now, you know, you really need to consider, you know. I had one person especially say, well, if it's thought, I don't know, otherwise it, just, it wasn't thought. And I'm going, okay, I'm not talking to you for a while. <laughs> because that's, that's logic. That's natural thinking. And people can feel so smart talking like that. But it's not smart if it's against the Word. The Bible does not call the Anax and the children of the Anax and the walled cities. He doesn't call it the natural report. Something to be considered. It's called the evil report. Because it's against what God said. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to correct my adjectives, and, and I'm going to stop using the word in the natural. I'm going to start calling it in the evil, because that's what it is. If it's against the word, it's evil. E-V-I-L, evil. <laughs> Amen. According to the word, it's an evil report. Well, have you thought of what, what's the natural, what's, what's the report of the natural? I don't know, but here's the evil version. If you need evil, I'll read it to you. But, the Bible, but, but I want to be like Joshua and Caleb. I want that other spirit with me Amen. that says, God said we're able to take the land. And if God said we're able to take the land, let's get to going. To take it. Hallelujah. Preach, Brother David. I'm trying. So even after, i got to read this again. We're going to drive it in the ground and break it off so you get it. Amen? Even after considering. This is where you need to get with your faith. Even after considering how bad it looks, how bad it feels, how bad it smells, how bad it seems. Even after that, staggering not at the promise of God. And telling the devil and all of his cohorts, not Hortons, Horts, (laughs) telling the devil and all of his cohorts, I have read and understood all the things to be considered. And even after... Considering everything evil 
I'm still standing on the Word. I'm still declaring that He's my good, good Father. And that I'm loved by Him. And that He is putting me over when it doesn't look like it. And if you can't bear it, then don't look. We'll invite you to the birthday party with the cake. Amen. But I'm going to... Or the celebration party. Staggering not at the promise of God through unbelief, but did this. Strong in faith, giving glory to God. So what does strong faith look like? How many remember this illustration? What does strong faith look like? It looks like this. Glory to God. Okay, a couple of you missed it. That was it. I'll illustrate it again. What does strong faith look like? It looks like this. Glory to God! What does it sound like? It sounds like this. Glory to God! Yeah, but here, here's the... Here's the report. I mean, here's the report. You know, this whole thing, you know. It's like, yeah, I read it. Guess what? Glory to God! But you get a big rubber stamp for your house that says in red ink, Glory to God, and everything bad, just stamp it with that. Why are you stamping that Glory to God? Because this does not hold a candle or a challenge to the Word of God. Can you say amen? This does not affect or change what God said about the situation. This does not make any kind of a difference to what God said. And I say, let God be true and every man a liar. Can you say hallelujah? Somebody will bring, well, I know somebody. You know, I told you that one time I had this spleen thing. He went to the doctor. He said, your spleen's enlarged. And it could probably, you know, you can just pick up your kid you know, the wrong way and it can burst. And if it did, you know, you would poison your liver instantly and you could die. That's my doctor said that. And uh, he said it's one of two viruses, both of them are incurable. We can go through tests to tell you which one you've got. I said, well, why would I do that if you can't help any of either one? He said, well, that's my thinking. You have to be the one to say it. I said, well, all right. So I thought of this one sister. That I thought was such a prayer warrior. And I called her on the phone and I said, Sister, I said, uh, I knew that you're a person of faith and great, you know, has been talked about through the years of what a great person of faith and prayer you are. I knew if anybody would believe God with me to be healed of this enlarged spleen, it would be you. She said, Did you say enlarged spleen? I said, Yes. She goes, Oh my Lord, that's terrible. She said, my sister had that and almost died. Had to remove the spleen and now she's on pills the rest of her life. And I said, oh. Okay. I hung up the phone and I thought, well, so much for calling the mighty prayer warrior. You know, she, like put, she was worse than the doctor. But I said, well, the doctor says this. The symptoms say agree with what the doctor said. But the Word of God says, by Jesus' stripes I was healed. And I stood on that. Yes, amen. 
And in 10 days, I went back to him. He said, come back in 10 days. We'll test it again. I came back in 10 days, and he did his test, and he said, it's all normal, and that's impossible medically. This is the thing you have is incurable. Thank God. There's no such thing as incurable to the Word of God. Amen. Just helping you today. Here's your happy Father's Day message. We've got the love of God the Father and the faith of Father Abraham. Amen? Faith works by love, so we got a good deal going. Alright, lift your hands and praise Him and thank Him today for the Word. Is anyone here that you would like uh, hands to be laid on you for healing?